How's it going, everybody? Welcome to King's Tales, the podcast where we help you transform your trauma into triumph. I am the host and founder. My name is Rex Shege. And joining me tonight, I have a very special guest. Um, he is a HBCU graduate, um, soon to be pursuing uh, his JD and doing great work in the community. I am greatly honored to have him on today. And without further ado, I'll allow him to introduce himself. Appreciate that, man. Um, once again, thanks for having me. Absolutely. My name is Dejay Inuzio. Um, I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm originally from South Jersey, you know, down by like the Atlantic City area. And uh, as of May 22, I just recently graduated from Delaware State, as you said. And, um, you know, soon we, soon we following that, um, you know, I probably landed a job as a, the administrative assistant post disposition unit officer, you know, for the Office of Defense Services. So basically what that is in short terms is an assistant to an attorney. But, um, you know, we do, the main thing that we focus on is, you know, we oversee all expungements, pardons, and sentence commutations throughout the state of Delaware and, you know, mm -hmm. provide assistance with them. So, you know, my work basically consists of, you know, um, you know, making calls, taking calls with the clients, um, providing financial assistance, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, just anything they need, basically client tracking, um, you know, just any type of assistance, you know, anything they may need, um, anything that we can do to get them closer again. So it's me. That's basically my job. So all the office work, you know what I mean? All the dirty work, as I want to say. So, you know, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you uh, for the introduction, Mr. Jay. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Um, so with, your specific line of work, um, like what, what kind of got you uh, interested in law and specifically what you're doing now? Okay, well, basically uh, what first got me interested in law, you know, this goes all the way back. Um, <clears throat> I'm a middle child, you know, I have two brothers. I have one younger um, who's currently in college now and one older. And, you know, unfortunately my older brother, he's, uh, he's uh, currently incarcerated. He's been incarcerated. Mm for the past 11 and a half years now. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's one of the, that's one of the main things that, you know, made me interested in the law more so because, you know, even though I was younger and, you know, I didn't have the strongest understanding of things. Um, I seen what he went through, you know, throughout his case, throughout his trial. And, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm not here to, you know, give any excuses for anybody or anything, but, you know, every, everybody's entitled to, good and fair and equal representation absolutely so, and i feel as though what comes with that is knowing who you're representing knowing mm. where they're from knowing more than just the crime that they committed and absolutely looking back i feel as though you know the representation that he had you know um i feel as though they just didn't know enough about him and you know that basically gave them no choice but to represent him just based off of what they knew mm. so Wow. That's kind of where the main interest came from for me. Okay. Okay. And you did bring up a good point. Um, when I was doing some research during the week, uh, you know, a lot of the times, like, especially people of color, men of color were, right. were handed uh, a lot more unfair sentencing. Right. And, um, and, a, and a study that was actually conducted by the Department of Justice, the majority of uh, people that were serving time in prison mm -hmm. were, I think they said around 
around 36, 37% were wrongfully convicted. So can you imagine spending all that time in jail and like you said, be either being misrepresented yeah. or um, someone just, you know, just profiling you and saying, okay, you know what? I see that you're in this courtroom. You've already had like so many other prior offenses. And even though they were minor offenses, right. some states have like three strike rule or, you know, it's so things in that type of realm. I'm not an expert in law, but, you right. know, I watch a couple. Uh, <laughs> you got it right. You got it right. You got it right. So, so um, yeah, so it's it really was interesting, you know, uh, getting that background information and, and hearing about that. Because, like, you, obviously we see it all the time portrayed in media. But, like, when you're actually seeing the facts for yourself right in front of you, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. For sure it is. So, um, with now, now that you're getting, like, on-hand experience, like, what's – has there any – has there been like a culture shock? Is there anything that's kind of shocked you or are you like not so much like, oh, wow, this is like new to me? Or is there some new things that are like that are being presented on the day to day that? I would say just I would say in terms of the work itself, you know, like the people I deal with, the clients, you know, no, that's that's a norm, you know, okay. because like you said, you know, the majority of our clients are you know, minorities in some way, shape or form, you know, African-American, you know, plenty of other nationalities. So, but, um, you know, nothing really new. The only thing that I would say is new is, you know, actually, you know, actually learning the procedures and the components, you know, that go into doing the job, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, you know, it was, uh, learning, learning the process, basically, you know, I have a good understanding of it now, but, um, you know, for the past, I've been on the job eight months now, so it took okay. me like a good five months straight my first four to five months um, to, you know, get the, get the understanding of everything, you know, what makes a person eligible for this and that compared to this and that, you know, pardon, discretionaries, mandatories, et cetera. So mm -hmm. other than that, I would say that's my biggest, that was my biggest challenge, but you know, um, you learn as you go. And I, I have a great supervisor, you know, the attorney who I'm a assistant to um, Eliza Hurst, you know, she does some great work and um, you know, thus far, you know, eight months in, I would say we've definitely expunged over at least a thousand people's records. So that's, and that's at least, you know, that's like a minimum. So, you know, she, she does great work for sure. So I have a great supervisor, you know, not everybody has those. So. Absolutely. Good mentorship is the difference between, you know, you actually learning and being impactful on the job and you like just being there just to earn a paycheck. So right. I definitely, definitely understand. Yeah. So, um, for the people that are tuning in that might not be as well versed in like, you know, the realm of law, like what, what is an expungement? So an expungement in this date is basically a clearing of a record, you know, okay. charges on it. So, um, you know, there's two different types specifically in the state of Delaware. It's a mandatory expungement and a discretionary. Okay. So eligible for mandatory expungements are, you know, say if you have some charges on your record, you know, that were dropped, you know, that were dropped. What okay. most what most people don't know is that even when charges are dropped, they're still on your record. They just show it's dropped. You know oh, what I mean? So if oh. a job was to run a background check on you, they can still see that. They can still see that you was charged with robbery or this or that. Even though it was dropped, they can still see that. So it still wow. causes hindrances for people. You know what I mean? So, okay. you know, so a mandatory expungement is usually like the you know, either if somebody had a lot of drop charges or say if somebody had like one misdemeanor, you know, or like one nonviolent felony and mm -hmm. five years pass, you know, from their conviction date of the most recent charge, that makes them eligible for mandatory as well. 
discretionary is it's it's a little bit more that goes into that you know it depends on the charge so okay um for example a fighting charge fighting in okay a, fighting in the state of delaware is called offensive touching so when you charge with a defensive touching charge you know that usually that usually kicks it to a discretionary in some ways not all the time but in some ways so now more so like a regular fight say like uh domestic violence you know mm -hmm. domestic violence or um you know hitting your children things like that um okay. usually that's what kicks it into that discretionary column or if you have, have multiple misdemeanors just recently delaware just passed the law for um if you have multiple misdemeanors you can go for a discretionary expungement because before multiple misdemeanors you can only get a party you know oh. which is oh. a whole different story and you know you can have three misdemeanors you know something small and uh and you know they'll make people go through a pardon so that's a discretionary and then last but not least obviously a pardon mm -hmm. that's more so geared towards people who have uh you know who've been formerly incarcerated you know who have pretty lengthy records and come home and they want expungements but before they can do an expungement they have to go for the pardon first which can okay. take one year so a pardon basically is it's a governor forgiven forgiveness sorry and that's basically the governor of the state forgiving you for any crime that you've committed. But that doesn't expunge it. So now when you get your pardon and the job runs a background check on you, they can still see all those charges. They just say pardon next to them. And that basically tells them that, you know, your state has forgiven you for everything you've done. Then the next step is. And they get them expunged. So those are the three things. And then on top of it, lastly, like I said, we do sentence commutations, but not a lot of them because that's not our focus but you know we do do them for good cases like for example eliza just had a case and uh um a guy was he was he was accused of assaulting a lady can't forget mm -hmm. the time exactly but he was accused okay. of assaulting a lady somewhere in delaware and like the cleaners he had he had every alibi there was to have um there was literal proof that where he was and where the lady was at the time of the so-called incident, they were they were so far apart, like there was no way that could have happened. He had um, plenty of witnesses, you know, um, admitting for him that he was where he said he was. And long story short, he still wound up getting 37 years for that. He still wound up getting 37 years for that. So Eliza took on that case. And, um, you know, unfortunately he did still have to serve 20 years, but, um, we just most recently got him off and he's coming home now at the time sir for 20 years so wow very nice mm -hmm. that that's crazy mm -hmm. and now that you're mentioning that I, I do remember a couple months ago i had the opportunity to interview a young man that was out of virginia that almost had like a very similar similar case like he's facing a, a much longer sentence than what than what um than what he ended up getting but right. you know at the time he didn't know that and so, like, he was, he was just faced with this really long sentence. And, you know, after, you know, uh, was it going in for appeals? Yes. 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 So, so he kept on putting appeal after appeal in, and eventually, like, he ended up getting a shorter sentence. And then he ended, he didn't even end up serving, like, the full uh, shorter sentence. Like, he only did, like, a few more, a couple years, and then he, he was able to get out. And now he's working on getting that part. Right. So it, it really is crazy how... Um, 
you know, I'm now I'm starting to see like both sides of the justice system. Like obviously in the media with us being like black men, like we're we're seeing a lot of the the negative, but like now I'm starting to see like more of the positive. Like there's really people out here that are pushing to do a lot of like like you said, the dirty work that are willing to get their hands dirty and educate themselves and really get to know the people that are being incarcerated. Cause at the end of the day, although they're treated like, you know, secondary citizens or whatever like they're still humans at the end of the day and the best thing that you can do is extend grace and mercy and respect to people because mm -hmm. they'll notice that mm -hmm. for sure for sure so um with with your um with your line of work what's something that you try to actively do on a day-to-day -day basis to you know whether whether it's you know greeting the clients like what what are some things that you do that try to you know, help the clients, you know, feel a little bit more, you know, welcome back into society, if you will? Well, there's two things. Um, I would say the first thing, like you said, is, you know, you know, meet and greet. Since I'm the one who's talking to them 95% of the time, um, my thing is comfortability and, you okay. know, just make, making them feel like, you know, they're being represented and assisted well, just as everyone else. You know what I mean? That's, I pride myself on that. And, you know, for a lot of the minorities and African-Americans that come through our office, I do pride myself on, you know, just embracing the fact that I'm an African-American as well and letting them know that, you know, mm -hmm. just hand in hand back to what I was telling you, you know, somebody like usually, you know, you talk to a professional sometimes and people don't know exactly, you know, what type of nationality you are. You know, I've had people, <laughs> I've had people come into the petition signings and then they see me, you know, they put you know, my face to my voice. And then, you know, I've seen it just put smiles on their face. They're like, wow, like, okay. Like, you know, you probably, you understand where I'm coming from. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. That's right. just the biggest thing, you know, making them feel comfortable, you know, and I don't allow anybody to feel like they have to explain themselves to me. Even if you got, you know, it's not right, but you know, even if you have murder or all these charges going down your record, I'm looking at you for you. I'm talking to you for who you are. You know what I mean? Right, I, right. I'm not really worried about that. You don't got to tell me all these stories about, you know, it should have went this way. It should I don't really need to know about that. You know what I mean? So it's about you. I want to know more so where you're from, you know, what your upbringing was like. Because usually those two things, along with the criminal record, go hand in hand. So usually tell me, usually how you, if you when you tell me how you grow up and stuff like that, I usually can tell, you know, why you partake in some of the things you partake in. So, you know, they go hand in hand. Absolutely. That very well said. And I feel like sometimes too, um, especially as men, you know, we're, we're kind of put in this box and, you know, we're not allowed to be emotional. You know, we can't talk about things. And so a lot of the time we're carrying a lot of that, that trauma with us. Right. And then eventually one day you snap or you end up getting involved with a lot of uh, self-sabotage Mm -hmm. and engaging in a, a lot of like uh a lot of behavior that really, really doesn't you're you're essentially just trying to get heard or be seen exactly. because of all the stuff that you've been through and a lot of a lot of the times like a lot of people just want they just want to be heard and seen mm -hmm. and and you know especially with the the type of fields that we work in like when you're talking to people on a day-to-day -day basis like you have to make sure first and foremost that like you got everything together yourself mm -hmm. before you talk to somebody else because you don't want to dump your stuff on that exactly because they can exactly. just make it worse exactly. exactly and you you did say something uh 
earlier again that kind of stuck out to me like representation matters i don't yeah. like i don't know what the statistics are in, in law but um i'm going in the fall i'm hopefully planning to start um my doctorate studies at um umes for their pt program okay. and i was doing some research the other day one in 15 pts is african-american mm -hmm. and i was when i when i saw that i was like dang that's so crazy but like when you finally do meet someone that looks like you that talks like you that understands where you're coming from like it makes you feel safe like, like you found somewhere that you 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 know you, you click in with somebody and that makes you feel good and that hopefully inspires someone else to see like okay i remember one time uh i was at the office the office that the jay worked at mm -hmm. and you know him and i chopped it up and you know i got my son and he's seeing some of the stuff that jay's doing mm -hmm. hopefully he'll that'll encourage him and inspire him to do some of the things that he's doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly and it's funny how you say that you get that stat about the pts because um you know five percent of all lawyers throughout the united states are african-american only five percent that is so, crazy so that's another motivation of mine so you know how can you how you know i don't know what the exact breakdowns are but how can you have you know this percentage of white people and uh this percentage of african-americans but you have five percent of african-american lawyers that makes absolutely no sense you know it really doesn't so you know the math just doesn't add up so you know, that's one of the big things I'm big on. You know, I feel as though we need more representation from mm -hmm. our people. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not nothing against anybody else or any other race. It's just who can represent you better than anybody where you're from. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm from the city. Yeah. I'm from, you know what I mean? Or right. understand the things you went to and can see past some of the things you've done just because of some of the things you've went through. Not excuses, you know, just real life. So, right. um, you know, yeah, exactly. So. I, I think a really good word that, like, fully encompasses that is non-judgmental. Like, if you just go into a situation and try to understand where someone's coming from and not judge them, mm -hmm. that also, too, allows you to build a stronger connection with them right. and help you better understand them as well. Mm -hmm. So, so um, with working with at the office that you're at right now, like, what's probably one of the biggest challenges that you've faced? Um, we're a three man team. Okay. So, oh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, sponge thousands of records, but we're a three man team. So, you have Eliza, who's the head; she's the attorney. Um, I'm the office assistant, and um, our other colleague, Coley Harris, he's our community engagement specialist. So, mm. our, our unit as well. We do a lot of community work. We do a lot of um expungement outreach. So. We have a lot of expungement clinics, you know, usually once a month. We haven't had one in the last month because, you know, um, back in, in that, like, the end of November, mm -hmm. you know, the month of November going into December, we had, like, four clinics. So we still catching up from that. You know what I mean? And like I said, it's a three-man team. So when we do these clinics and, you know, 100 people come through or, you know, 200, for example, you know, I'm the one who has to take all those files back to the office, go through every file one by one, reach out to every client one by one, verify all their basic information. I have to do all that. Kobe's, I mean, Coley's job is in the uh, in the community. You know what I mean? So me and him do a lot of expungement outreach. He's actually um, a Wilmington, Delaware native. So uh. he uh, is just that much better. You know, the office, the position was kind of created to put somebody in the position 
you know, like just what I just said, you know, who knows the community, who people know in the community, mm -hmm. you know, to see if we can get better feedback. And we have. So he does okay. a great job. Um, you know, me and him do a lot of office hours, man. We're from Newcastle to Kent to Sussex County. You know, we're all throughout the state doing office hours. So, but yeah, it's just a three-man team. And, you know, he's not really in the office a lot. So it's really just a two-man team, you know, off the office tip. So, okay. um, you know, I would say that's probably the most challenging part, which is the three-man team. So. Okay. Okay. And one thing I love as you explain all this stuff, like, I can tell that you're passionate about it. Like, it's not something that you're just doing for the money or, you know, you're trying to, you know, put, put yourself on a pedestal or be in this great, great big office. Like, you're passionate about the stuff that you're doing. Right. And one thing that I've learned is, like, if you're passionate about something, that'll drive you for the rest of your life. Like, your your purpose is driven by your passion. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you continue to have that same drive and that same passion like i already know that you'll continue to make a, a lasting impact in the world so yeah, keep it up man extremely passionate for sure absolutely absolutely and which this kind of like segues into my next question um what you know once everything's all said and done you know you get your your jd and you eventually you know start your own law firm and you know like what's one thing that you hope to leave behind with the work that you do? Um, you know, caringness, honestly, you know, if everything that I want to leave behind, I want people to always know about me as a lawyer that, you know, um, you know, DJ, he, he went, you know, he went to the furthest extent, you know, for everybody in the same way, you know, he cares about everybody in the same way, regardless of where they come from and what they look like, you know, cause that's, that's just what it's all about, you know? People come and reach out to you as, you know, working at the public defender's office, they're reaching out for one thing and one thing only, you know, for assistance. And in order to give somebody some type of assistance, you have to care about them in some way, shape, or form or care about their situation. So, you know, I would just say care, you know, you know, mm -hmm. everybody to feel like, you know, they always had somebody when I was dealing with them. You know what I mean? So, you know, and equality at the end of the day, you know, yeah. that's my, that's my whole goal. You know, that's my whole end goal. We, uh, you know, equality. You know, I could say, honestly, you know, one of my biggest inspirations is, if you ever heard of him, is Brian Stevenson. You know, he's the founder of the Equal Rights Justice Initiative. And, uh, you know, he represents inmates on death row, right. um, kids, yeah. have 12, 11 to 12-year-old kids, you know, who are serving life and things like that. And, um, you know, just to be equal, you know, because besides everything else, I just told you about being impoverished and, you know, in the bad environments that you come from, you know, it, it comes down to race still at the end of the day, you know, yeah. people, people can, they can see it however they want to see it and they can explain it however they want to explain it. But that's true. That's a fact. You know, it all comes down to race at the end of the day, certain races and national personalities are profiled different and stereotyped and treated different and you know compared to others and you know so we just need to come we just need to become more equal mm. you know because that's actually what's impacting the environment you know these impacting environments you know they don't have the same access to resources as other environments do um they don't have the same opportunities you know what i mean so yeah oh, that's not fair at all you know no child acts to come into this world so why shouldn't each and every one have the same opportunity, at least growing up? You know, when you get to a certain age, what you do with your life is on you. But I right. 
at least have that opportunity and have that access to those resources, you know, you know, in order to make that happen. So equality for sure, you know, careness, you know, and how I deal and represent with my clients and at the end of the day, equality, you know, that's what I'm pushing for. So. Absolutely. Very well said. Again, that's, that's something that, you know, no one ever, no one asked to be here. So like, it's, it's so important that everyone has an equal chance to, you know, mature and, and grow and really be in an environment where they're nurtured and loved and, and that they know that they're being seen. So couldn't have put it better myself. Very well, very well put. Yeah. Um, if, if you have any, do you have any advice for any uh, young men of color that might be tuning in that are middle school, high school, you know, trying to figure things out that might, you know, have like a passion for law similarly to you? And I would say, I would say, go for it. You know, I would say, honestly, go for it. You know, I really didn't like, you know, I've always had the interest in the law, but in terms of when I started really figuring out what I wanted to do and what I was going to do. And I was going into my senior year at Delaware state. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I, I really, really figured things out, you know what I mean? So yeah. I would just say, go for it. You know, the sky's the limit. And in order, in order for us to make that change that I'm talking about, there has to be more of us. We're outnumbered right now, you know, on a major scale. So in order for us to fight, we have to make, it has to be more of us in order to make that change. It has to be more of us that speak up about where we come from. There has to be more of us to speak up about, you know, you know, where you come from and what you go through and the things you see on a daily basis in order to get the whole entire world to understand. But if you only got 5%, of African-Americans advocating for that stuff, it ain't never going to be heard. So, you know mm. what I mean? I would just, mm. you know, go for it. You know, don't don't ever worry about what anybody has to say about you. You know, be your own person and, you know, stand stand for and stand on, you know, what you believe in as a man, you know? Do what you got to do, so. Absolutely. Listen, bro, um, I'm, I'm loving this so much far like this is this is really good productive uh conversation and i would honestly say like probably one of the the biggest takeaways that i got from all this is um you know the the more self-aware we are of ourselves and our environments like the better equipped we are to help other people around us mm -hmm. so and i i definitely do believe that like you kind of you got a good grasp on it so yeah i i just want to you know encourage you and let you know that like you know the work that you're doing definitely isn't going unseen um continue to push continue to to strive for that kindness that representation that equality because like you said it's something that people out in the world need and within you you know this is something that you know i hear all the time from from my mentor like within us is the solution like we just have to go out there and execute and you know if we if we get so focused on how we're going to do it um you know who's going to support us this not they're like we'll get lost but as long as you, you know, keep your why in mind and, you know, keep it close to your heart, everything else will, will just flow naturally. So. For sure. Continue. Put God always. What was that? They put God first always. Put God first always. That, listen, hit the nail on the head. For sure. <laughs> so, um, for that, sure. that's pretty much it for me. Um, I don't see any questions in the chat that anyone dropped. So, um. Yeah, a lot of my people here. Yeah. I definitely, I see that they, they came out of show love and I definitely appreciate y'all um, coming out tonight. Be, be sure to follow the, uh, the business page. All right. We're, all we're right. definitely trying to grow. Um, 
and expand and hopefully, you know, get some sponsors coming up in the future. So this is the first interview with 2023. I couldn't have started off any better with Mr. DeJay here joining me on tonight. Um, I do want to thank everyone for coming out on this lovely Friday night. Um, be on the lookout for the episode. It will be dropping on YouTube later this weekend at Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, spread the word, share it with your friends, families, cousins, whoever. And without further ado, that's all for tonight. Thank you for tuning in to King's Tales. Once again, my name is Rex Shege, and I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode.